Hello there and welcome. The message you're about to listen to is courtesy of Heaven Citizens Christian Center. We pray that God blesses you as you listen. There's a pattern in God's word about how to live in abundance. And if you understand that pattern, you can replicate that abundance in your life. Amen. Just so that we set the foundation of what our discussion will be. Says technology is the set of knowledge, skills, and experience, and techniques through which humans change, transform, and use our environment in order to create tools, machines, products, and services that meet our needs and desires. The etymological Etymologically, the word comes from the Greek techni and logos. Techni means technical art skill. Logos means knowledge. It's using our skills, our experience, our art, using the knowledge we have to express and solve practical things with what we have learned. Some other divisions are very interesting. Someone says, it's the application of this knowledge for practical ends. It's the application of knowledge for practical ends. Somebody says, a strictly determined sequence of operations that guarantees a desirable result. The base of technology is an algorithm of a sequence of operations that can strictly predict a final result. So if we look through God's word, the question is, can we find, can we find a series or sequence of operations that guarantee a definite result? Can we see God's word and find abundance in God's word? The answer is yes. Can we say this is what they did that brought forth the abundance? The answer also is yes, we can say that this is what they did that brought the abundance. Now, in as much as we can see that sequence in scriptures, then you and I can take God at his word and have those things practically expressed in our lives. Amen. Now, by the time we finish this series by God's grace, all of us should understand in depth the examples in God's word of people who have manifested and lived a life propelled by God's abundance and be able to replicate the same in our lives. Amen. Amen. Now, in case you are wondering, and you know many of us sometimes, the reason why, no matter what is shared with us, it will find difficulty in making it into our practical lives is because as you are listening to the message, you are also hearing another message. One of the reasons why I would have loved to do this back-to-back for seven days is because between this Sunday and next Sunday, there will be a lot of events that will want to take the message away from you. Are you hearing me? Between this Sunday and next Sunday, you will face things that will want to tell you, has God said? And will challenge the very message and except you find a way of reinforcing this message and reinforcing what God's word says, you will realize that even though God desires for you to have a much better, more impactful life than you currently have, you may not be able to live to God's expectations because of your own personal limitations. Amen. Let me explain this very clearly so that you understand it. Have you ever wanted something 
for someone before. You wanted something for someone. And then that person, by their own hands, decides to do something that makes it impossible for you to make that thing available for them. As I put you before. Think about it. You wanted to do something for someone. It was in your desire. It was in your heart. You really wanted to. Then at the last minute, when you are going to do it, the person just did something that made it difficult or impossible for you to do what they wanted to do. Typically, when those kind of things happen, you say things like, in your mind, you're like, ah! Thank God. I will have wasted my energy. I will have wasted my money. I will have wasted my time. Thank God that they have even done this one and closed the chapter. Because I would have thought I was doing well for this person. But now, the way this person has responded, it shows me that I shouldn't bother anymore. Many times we place ourselves in those positions where we settle for less than God's best. Not because God's best is not what he wants to give us, but because we, by our own conditioning, have been conditioned to less. I was reading a research recently done by a university and they discovered that people's, people's future realities, as far as their wealth is concerned, is predetermined at age seven. Listen to me. That by the time we are seven years old, we are already hardwired for our point of view. What am I saying? I'm saying, Jolly, by the time you are seven, your belief about abundance, scarcity is already defined. Seven. That by much of the things you are hearing around you, there's no money. There's no money. You are learning that there's no money. By the things you are hearing around you, and the thing I say to you, you say, Daddy, please, I want to, they say we should bring money to school tomorrow. You say, I'm my magician. Does he grow on trees? Why should you be asking me for money? You, you, you are just telling me this morning. Am I going to manufacture it? You are forming your perspective about money. Are we together? You go and say, Sir, please, I need 500 naira for this. He said, You think that's ITC? Do you know how many bricks you need to carry to make 500 naira? What is the person telling you? That he's that before you make money, you must have hard work. Now, unfortunately, our perspectives about many things in life are settled very early in our lives. Somebody did research and realized that the mental capacity of a child is determined around the age of three. That if a child does not feed well, yeah, he does not eat well, by three, you have already set a limit on how much the person can grow mentally. There are a lot of things are said to, and that's why parenting is very, very serious. Parenting, something we take very lightly, is very serious. Now, if I know that I am hardwired already, either for poverty or wealth at seven, it takes a lot of effort to be able to break out of where my mind is, even though God's desire is not like that. I was somewhere yesterday, and you know, God opened my eyes to see something very interesting. That, can we say that somebody is poor because he doesn't have a relationship with God? And can we say that somebody is rich because he has a relationship with God? No. Is it possible to be rich without a relationship with God? Is it possible? Yes. Is it possible to be poor and have a relationship with God? Yes. Now, why would somebody be broke and poor and have a relationship with God? Is it because of God? Are we together? Sometimes you have seen people say things to you like, ah, I know this person. In fact, I know this person is one of the reasons why people suffer. 
They'll say, I know, say, if you know that person, why is your life like this? Because this person that you say you know should be able to solve your problem. I say, hey, but I know him, but I don't like asking him for things. I don't like disturbing him. People are already disturbing him. I don't want to join them. There's a mindset, isn't it? There's a mindset that places the person at a limitation because of what they have believed. Not because of what God can do or what God cannot do. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we can ever ask or think. Amen. Tell your neighbor God is not limited. Tell your neighbor God is not limited. Tell your neighbor you are the one who limits God. Now, I would like us to very quickly just look at a few very interesting stories. There's a very interesting story in 2 Kings chapter 13. It's a classical story of explaining how God can be limited. Now, I want us to get this because the objective of this meeting is God has a plan for you to walk in his abundance. Amen. And the only obstruction to that plan is who? Tell your neighbor it's you. Tell your neighbor it is you. Now, there's this very interesting story in 2 Kings of Elisha on his deathbed. And I'd like you to please understand this. We're going, like I said to you, we're going to do this for like four series. I went to preach somewhere in Abuja, I think two months ago, and we did this in three days. Morning, afternoon, morning, afternoon, morning, afternoon, morning, afternoon. And, and I feel it's unfair that I'll do that in Abuja and I will not do that at home here. So, um, and then God activated in my spirit that it's time for us to do it here. So we're going to do this. And what God wants to do, I am happy that I'm not going to be a mouthpiece alone. Amen. So if you don't take charge and act up, you will be a witness. Amen. I pray that you'll be more than a witness of other people's progress in Jesus' name. And you yourself will be a witness of what God is doing in your life in Jesus' name. So in this very interesting story in, in, in 2 Kings, I read from verse 14. Chapter 13. Eli, 2 Kings chapter 13 from verse 14. He says, Elisha, if you are there, say amen. Okay, it's on the screen. This Elisha had become sick with the illness of which he would die. I'm reading New King James. So, Elisha was bound for death. Then Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over his face and said, Oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. And Elisha said to him, Take a bow. So the king was in a season of desperation. The prophet who gave direction, who gave instruction, who showed the path was dying. The king felt a little bit naked and felt, ah, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel, they are dying. And then Elisha, in his last minute on earth, feels, let me provide this man with some value before I go. And Elijah said to him, take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on, his, on it. And Elijah put his hand on the king's hands. And he said, open the east window. And he opened it. Then Elijah said, shoot. And he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. You must strike the Syrians at Afek till you have destroyed them. Then he said, take the arrows. So he took them 
And he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck three times and stopped. And the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you will have struck Syria till you had destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. Then Elisha died and then they buried him and the raiding bands from Moab invaded the land in the spring of the year. So it was, as we were burying a man, blah, blah, blah. So it continues. Now what happened here? What was God's plan? What was God's possibility? Total victory. Total annihilation. Total complete destruction of Syria at the hand of the king. What was required? Strike the ground. Are we together? Now when God says strike the ground and you strike the ground three times, whose fault is it? Is it God's fault? Bible says the prophet was angry. He was dying but angry. I said, ah, just three times. I said, you strike. I thought this is the arrow of deliverance. You should out of anger strike 50 times. As we don't say, okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Ladies and gentlemen, many times we limit God. Because with God, there is no limit. In our memory, no limit. With God, there is no scarcity. When we declare here and say, I am a member of God's kingdom, are we together? I'm saying that I belong to a sphere of influence over which God rules, over which God reigns. And in this sphere that I belong to, the only limit that exists there is not the one that God places, it's the one I place. I remember the analysis in, in Psalms where he said they limited the Holy One of Israel in the wilderness. God wanted to do, but the people were not willing. I pray that God will find your willingness today in Jesus' name. I can't hear your amen. amen. Now, what exactly, and I think last week, PK already helped us to define what exactly abundance means. So I think we don't even need to talk about that anymore. We know what scarcity means. We know what abundance means. If you think you are living in abundance, in the fullest expression of abundance, the way God wants to live in abundance, can you say amen? Yeah, those are the people that are sleeping. <laughs> so this answer is checking you out to see if you are awake. If you are living in abundance, in the full spectrum of striking the ground ten times, the way God would like you to give it abundance, can you say amen? <laughs> yeah, I'm still waking up gradually. <laughs> now, it says here, let me just give you a few more definitions and then we'll move into the heart of it. Now, it's important that we understand that God's word, I was reading Hebrews 11 today, and Hebrews 11 basically flashed back on God's word on a conversation that is about faith. Amen. What we want to do is create another version of Hebrews 11 today. But we want to look back at scripture and see what we'll call, you know, so Hebrews 11 was about the technology of faith and the various ways it was implemented. We want to look back into scripture and ask ourselves, how was abundance effected? And how can we effect it today? Do we have a right to it? And why can we expect it? Because as a gentleman, 
no matter how much God loves you and what God wants to do in your life, if you don't expect that God can do some things in your life, you'll be kept within the limits of what you can believe. Amen. It's what you can believe that will determine those limits. So here we say, it's a collection of techniques, skills, methods, as well as processes which are used in production of goods or services or the collection of objectives such as scientific investigation, technology, term, and concept can also be the knowledge of techniques and processes. And then we said in very simple terms, technology is using the knowledge we have gathered to create practical solutions that work. Technology of abundance is gathering knowledge from scriptures that have been used over time as a solution for working in abundance and replicating these solutions. Now, my prayer and my heartfelt desire is that we will, you know, I was sharing somewhere yesterday, wealth is not something you become entitled to because you are saved. Can you hear me? Wealth is not a salvation right. Wealth is a birthright. Amen. Do you know the difference? Wealth is not a salvation right. It's a birthright. What does it mean? It means you are not entitled to wealth because you are selling Jesus as your Lord and Savior. No. You are entitled to wealth because you are born. For many years, we have tried to sell people a different objective. To say, ah, come to Jesus, your life will be better. No, 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 no. If you don't come to Jesus or you come to Jesus, you are not denied by the provisions of God access to wealth. If you make something, somebody here makes something, you make clothes, you make something. If you make something, you are not likely to put what you made outside to be rubbed, rubbed on the floor. You are likely to protect what you made. Are we together? Because you made it. The same God who made us already understands that he made us. And he didn't make Tokwe here as a 40-year-old adult when he made him. He made him a baby. Are we together? He brought him into the world naked. He brought him into the world hungry and crying. Are we together? God who made him knows that he must eat. And he knows that food is not free. God who made him knows that he must wear clothes. And he knows that clothes are not free. God who made him knows that he must go to school. Because he cannot read the Bible, he doesn't go to school. Are we together? How compulsory is reading the Bible? Very compulsory. How compulsory is talking to God? Very compulsory. How will he learn how to know God's language or understand God's sequence except he has the ability to read? God knows he must read and school is not free. Therefore, God, a fair God who made a baby already put inside the baby everything that will draw the resources that the baby needs. If you live less than that possibility, it is not God's fault. It is somebody's fault. God's fault. You know one of the reasons why people don't believe in God? Atheists, they say, how can you say God exists? Why are children suffering? Where is there so much hunger in Africa? Where is there so much pain in the world? It's not because God does not exist. It's because God's children are not representing him. Are we together? Because God has given us the agency of the earth. God has given us responsibilities to represent him here on the earth. Understand this. The moment you are born, you have a right to wealth. What does salvation do? Salvation gives you clarity about the purpose of wealth. Are we together? 
what happens at salvation is, I now know why. I know why I know how to sing. I know why I know how to dance. I know why I know how to speak. I know why I know how to do this I want to do. I know why I'm getting certain resources following me because now I know why. Until I'm saved, I can waste. When I become saved, I have clarity about God's purpose and my assignment in God's purpose. And then all the abundance that God has shared in my life in various forms that is not even financial have a channel. Are we together? So if you are here and you think, ah, we started again, this abundance talk is not for me, you are deluded. God has bigger plans for you than you are trying to live out yourself. Amen. Imagine this. Imagine this. Imagine a mother. Imagine a father. If I ask Selene came to share testimony, if you ask Selene, what would you like your children to have? Do you think she will apply brakes on them? No. She wants them to have a good life. She wants them to enjoy. I went together. She wants them to enjoy themselves, have a good life, live to the limits. If they want, would they beg for school fees? No. Would they beg for food? No. Would they beg for clothes? No. Would they say, mommy, I'm going out naked today? No. Everything that your children want, you want to provide. The Bible says, if you, being evil, know how to give gifts to your children, how much more your heavenly father. What are we seeing? God's di- and, and listen, this is a, it's almost a psychiatric work. This is a mindset work of helping you, first of all, accept that abundance is not unrighteous. Amen. Because many of us grew up with that mindset. They have called rich people, fraudulent people, long enough for you to never be rich until you are fraudulent. Somebody drove past. Say, hey, see them. It's Yahoo Yahoo they are doing. In your mind, Yahoo Yahoo is what gives results. So until you decide to do Yahoo Yahoo, you will never see those results. Our wiring, people around us, they told us, ah, see that family. They are driving very good cars, though. But they always, have you noticed that daddy is always wearing white? He's white, white, white every Sunday. How can somebody be wearing white every Sunday? He's a court member. He has used somebody to do sacrifice. Are you wearing white? (laughs) 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 No, but you hear these things. We are being conditioned to believe that something must be wrong with you for you to live in abundance. Are we together? Say, eh. Say, I don't. They just built a house. Say, don't you know where the daughter is coming from? It's Italy. It's your people. <laughs> it's Italy. It's only the people that are going to Italy and are using their bodies as whatever that are building a house. It's Italy. Uh-huh. It's Italy. Somebody was asking me in the plane when I was coming back. <laughs> Are you coming from Italy? <laughs> I said, Madam, I'm coming from somewhere else. So. What am I saying? Your mind is letting you know that uh, that kind of result is only possible by prostitution. 
the moment your mind connects something with wealth, it's showing your pre-programming. The Bible says the way we will be transformed is by God's word. It says be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That your mind is dirty. It needs to be renewed. And your mind has been dirty by life. You have encountered things. Some of them you have experienced yourself. You have experienced struggles that have reinforced your belief. So you say, ah, the reason why and I will have made inroad here. All I needed to do was compromise. But because I'm a righteous person, I don't compromise. That's why I didn't make progress. No. You have believed the devil's lie. God wants you to live in abundance. And the scriptures give us abundant clarity on the fact that from Genesis to Revelation, this story is a story of how God is unlimited in his supply for whatever it is that he wants to do. Amen. How about, how come some of the people in the Bible were poor? I'll show you. We're talking about poverty. We're talking about abundance. And we're talking about the fact that God does not put any stops in supporting any course to achieve what he wants to achieve. So let's go very quickly. Like I said, this is the first topic. We're going to do this back to back. back. I pray that what you are going to take away from here, nothing will take away from you during the week in Jesus' name. Now, in God's kingdom, and I want us to understand that we're in God's kingdom. The difference between us and the unbeliever, the unbeliever can make wealth. This is right. Are we together? Bill Gates doesn't, know, doesn't need to know God. He doesn't need to believe he exists. It's a right of birth. It's not a right of salvation. When you come to salvation, you realize it's not your money. Some people out of, not even say, understand already. I want one billionaire, I once said something, said, when you are a billionaire, you will realize that the money is not yours. Because you ask yourself, how much of this billion can you spend on yourself? How much? Do you want to wear two clothes? Do you want to drive two cars? Or do you want to be sleeping in two rooms? Even one bed, you cannot sleep on one bed fully. You must have a corner. One man said he had 50 rooms in his house. And he was angry. I had lived there for like 10 years. Only slept in one room, one corner, one bed. He said, every night, you'll be sleeping from room to room. After you fell away from the bed a few times, because you will fall from your bed, because you are used to sleep, stay on one side, so you know where to roll unconsciously. Where, are you? Where, where am I? In which room? Where? You can try it. And come and share your testimony. That when you have money to an extent, you wonder, you ask, you ask yourself, even as a non-believer, what's this for? That's why you find people like Bill Gates running around in Africa trying to cure polio. Do you care about polio? <laughs> Bill Gates has a map of Nigeria that gives him to the last detail how many polio people are still existing where. And he has people that he's sending to every corner of everywhere, looking for anybody that has anything remotely connected to polio so he can solve it. His goal was to eradicate polio two years ago. But because poverty, poverty is a devil, we gone. People are saying they want to use us. So don't let them come here. Don't let them know. Don't let them know that there's polio here. They, they are using us. 
It's not police looking for. It's looking for experiments. Asking you, people are vehemently arguing. No, 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 no. Which polio? What concerns him with polio? And I know it. I know the feeling. I remember the one we called market women here. We called our 30 of them. I would say, we want to be giving you money, free money, just you do your business, return it, no interest. Call 30. We say we start next week. The next week, bring your friends. The next week, only 10 came back. 10. They didn't bring their friends, though. They reduced. They want to use us. That's how they are making money, by using us. As you'll be like, <laughs> okay, they're necessarily want to use. They don't understand that some people are going somewhere and say, Oh, God, please give me money, use my destiny. <laughs> oh, God, please give me money, I don't want destiny. <laughs> if people know where they are selling destiny, if there's a market where destiny is sold, people will be going there. <laughs> they say, Why should I give you one million? They say, One Baba said, My destiny will go very far. <laughs> I say, Wait for the Baba now. Ah, I say, Oh, God, please help me. <laughs> Okay, I will take 1 million, 1.2. <laughs> we are limited in our mindset. And that limit expresses itself when we place demands even on the things that God has said is rightfully ours. Now, what's the kingdom? And I'm trying to explain the kingdom because this is where we live. A kingdom is a king's domain of authority. So, if I'm the king here, for example, then this is my kingdom. And then, in that kingdom, if I say, a plus B plus C equals to D, then that's the rule in that kingdom. Uh, a kingdom is where a king rules. And God's kingdom, essentially, is the domain over which God is sovereign and Lord. Now, God is the kingdom of the whole earth. Are we together? But he has a special set of people over which he has a unique relationship. You know, so we have God manifested in different formats. We'll talk about this in details in subsequent weeks. God, the fact about God, the definition of who God is, his nature, his character, his work, and our relationship with him. Now, this God, which is clearly described in the Bible, so our reference to God is what we have read about him in the past, and then our unique relationship with him. And based on our understanding of who God is, and his sovereignty, and his work, his character, and his mission, we know the person who rules over the domains of our lives. So we know that the life of the subjects and children, the universe and all that is in it, everyone and everything everywhere is under God's domain. Please say with me, everything everywhere, everyone, everywhere, and everything is under his domain. The Bible says very clearly that at the center of things, Christ runs the universe. And it says, Jesus says the church is not peripheral to the world. The church is central to the world. And the church is Christ's body through which he rules and reigns. Now, do you feel like the person through which God rules and reigns? That's God's expectation. That's God's possibility. Anything short of that possibility is our limitations. So today, very quickly, I want us to do a quick Bible hop. Just hop around a few scriptures together and see how did God create abundance from Genesis till date? 
and then we'll now go deeply into case studies of unique places so that we can understand how does God do these things so that we can walk in it. So today, my assignment today is to let you realize God wants you to live in abundance. It is not for self and personal consumption. It is for his purpose. Amen. God is not limited. We are the ones that are limited. Amen. And if you can cooperate with God and align yourself with him, you will be amazed at what God will do through you, for you, with you, and to you. I pray that all of us will get the full expression of what God has in plan for us in Jesus' name. There's a scripture we read last week. I'd like us to go very quickly to it. 2 Corinthians 9. I want to read that verse, break it down a bit, and then we enter into our, our pre-Adam all the way to the New Testament. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, from verse 8. It says, I'll read message transition. Okay, let's do both. Let's do NKJV message. It says that God is able, sorry. It says, verse 8. I was staring at message. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Now, what does this mean? It says God is able, are we together? To make all grace abound towards you. Why? So that you always having all sufficiency in some things. In all things. May have an abundance for every good work. Now, God is able. God is not unable. He's able to make all grace abound towards you. So that you, after you have had all sufficiency, always, not sometimes, you can always have all sufficiency, all things, can abound in every good work. What can you see here? You can see here that there's a good work to be done. Tell your neighbor there's a good work to be done. Tell your neighbor there's a good work to be done. Now, because there's a good work to be done, God wants you to have sufficient to get the good work done. And because he wants you to have sufficient to get the good work done, what does he do? He makes all grace abound towards you. You know, this is one of my favorite prayers when I was growing up. Say, if God is able to make all grace abound towards me, I ask that you make all grace abound towards me so that I have in all sufficiency and all good things and abound in every good work. There's good work that needs to be done. There's what God wants to do. And when God wants to do something, the best place to be is not opposing him. It's aligned with him. Ladies and gentlemen, people will not believe what is happening in your life. Just align with what God is doing. People will be shocked at how quickly your life will transform. Just align with him. Listen. Is it possible for God to bless me and then I will disappoint him? Eh? Yes. Is it possible for you to do something good for your children and they will disappoint you? Sure. Are you going to disown them? If you say, I'm sorry, give me another chance. We give them. You are evil. You will give them another chance. God will give us many chances. Are we together? Here, it says, because of the good work, let's read message transition. Message. It says, God can pour on the blessings in astonishing ways. 
so that you are ready for anything and everything. More than just ready to do what needs to be done, as one psalmist puts it, he throws cautions to the wind, giving to the needy in reckless abandon. His right living and right giving ways never run out, never wear out. This most generous God who gives seed to the farmer that becomes bread for your meals is more than extravagant with you. It gives you something you can then give away, which grows into full-form lives, robust in God, wealthy in every way, so that you can be generous in every way, producing with us great praise to God. There is work that needs to be done. And God is able to supply you sufficiently so that you just don't need to do what needs to be done. But you can be ready to do anything. As in, you are more than ready to do what needs to be done. You are ready for anything. And because God can pour out the blessings in astonishing ways. I pray that our lives will be channels for him to pour his blessings in Jesus' name. So how did we find all of this in action from the beginning? What are the sources for the things that God wants to supply in pre-Adamic times? Let's just look at them very quickly, a cursory look, and then we'll wrap up today's message. Before Adam was made, how did God create abundance? Before Adam was made, God needed something done. How did he supply it? By his words. The Bible says everywhere was dark. Everywhere was dark form and void. God steps into the scene. And what did he do? Let there be light. And the Bible says there was light. Do you think, please use your imagination, do you think it was that simple? Because if it was that simple, if that was what God was doing, day one, day two, day three, and it was that simple. Why will he rest the seventh day? Does that one look like work? <laughs> Does it look like work? Why was he rested from his work? It means whatever let there be light is, was tedious. Some people said, when he said let there be light, it wasn't once. Because it was a formless universe. You know how sound travels. When I say something, hey, do you think that A stops in this room? That A continues to go on and on and on. It just attenuates. Are we together? Because the person who is saying it also has a lifespan. But when God speaks, because God doesn't have a lifespan, he continues to go on. So he continues to go, let there be light, let there be light, let there be light, let there be light. And we talk about the speed of sound, talk about the speed of light, talk about the fact that some sunlight only reaches here after 50 light years which is about 50 million years. Something has been shining since. It's just because it's getting here. Some of those stars you are looking at, it's not now that they are shining. They, sh they, sh they shine before you were born. But their expression just reached here now. I'm going into physics. Their expression just reached here now. It's why you are seeing their light. Light travels a long distance. Sound travels slower. So when God said there be light, said it wasn't, wasn't just that simple. Let there be light. Because when he had done it for six days, let there be, let there be, let there be, let there be on the seventh day, said, let me rest. So that man too, when he's walking, he will rest. Ladies and gentlemen, in pre-Adamic times, every time God wanted to create anything, he spoke his words. It means 
one of the sources of God's abundance is his words. Amen. Bible says he holds everything by the power of his words. Listen, gentlemen, if you are going through a glitch, one of now listen, every invention is a step up on an existing invention. If I want to make something now, maybe I can make a microphone that will stand by itself. I have to have a microphone first. I have to look at all the technologies that suspend gravity. I work together and then find a way to create that microphone. If I want to invent something, I will rest on existing protocols. I work together. The foundational protocol by which abundance was created without limit was God's word. Are you with me? Everything that we see in the world today, every seed, every animal, every plant, every natural resource, every gold, every diamond, limitless in their supply was created because God said, let there be. As God created new diamond, no, all the diamond that has been created were created in the beginning. Let there be. New gold, no. New oil, no. God put crude oil in Nigeria. We together. Put tin in Jos. Put tantalite in Zamfara. Put gold in Oshun. Put different things in different places. Just by that same word that he produced. Somebody analyzed and said, if all the gold in the world was mined and shared, only the gold, every human being on earth would be a millionaire in dollars. What was he doing on the earth? Nothing. It's just gold. We mine all the gold. I will say, how many of us are here? Seven billion. Let's share it. All the worry you're worrying about, different things you're worrying about, is not because of lack of supply. It's because of lack of alignment. Amen. God is able to make all grace abound towards you so that you have in all sufficiency in all things can abound in every good work. God spoke things to being. It means one of the technologies we can rely on whenever we are in a place where it is dark and without form and it feels void and I'm almost depressed and I'm going bonkers. I can't even see the front. I can't see the back. I seem I'm lost. I can find God's word and know that the creation process begins. God created every substance in abundance, all the cattle on the thousand hills, all the animals, all the lions, all the deers, everything was made because he said, let there be. Amen. And this was before there was any man. No man. Just words. The Bible says that this word was with God and this word was God. So the foundational creation of all things, this word was Christ. Amen. That whenever I'm lost in my bearings, whenever I'm lost in my focus, whenever I'm lost in whatever I am, I need to go back and say what does God's word say? And we know that God's word is expressed as one individual, as Jesus. So if I ever miss the context of scriptures, I ask myself, how does this manifest in the life of Christ? Jesus Christ told Peter, they said they want tax. Go to the sea, catch fish. The first fish you catch. I don't know what, who I was listening to recently who was saying that, yeah, okay, I think somebody that we met, he was saying that he was praying to God that God it was a guy. He said, God, the first fish I catch, let that be my wife. <laughs> I don't want to catch different fish and pink fish and catch fish and puffing fish. Give me just one fish. So he went to meet one babe and said to her that, uh, you know, she wanted to, <laughs> it was it just, uh, and the babe said, no. I said, oh God, this is the first fish I want to catch. 
Hein? Eh? Zebo did it. Hallelujah. They were doing their 20 years anniversary last week. Then the Lord finally said, We are here today. God, we are here today. The Lord allowed me to catch my first fish. <laughs> oh my God. The wife too was there. I was wondering to your fish. <laughs> but yeah. What am I saying? I'm saying God's word. And ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if you take time out to listen out to God. But that's the beginning place of all creation. That's how he started it all. Ladies and gentlemen, if God speaks to you, hmm? It doesn't matter what is happening to you. If what is happening to you is affecting you, it's because it has silenced what is said to you. If you can find God's word, it, God's word doesn't come as words alone. It comes with peace. It comes with joy. It comes with assurance. It comes with confidence. It comes with boldness. You may be owing rent. Your landlord may be knocking. The only reason why you are anxious and trepidating is because you have heard nothing. Amen. Amen. Because if God has spoken to you, it doesn't matter what you are going through. You know, I, I, I had a meeting with a friend who shared what they've gone through in the last one year with us. And when we talk, we first of all laugh, joke, laugh, laugh, laugh. Had a good time. And then they said, we have news for you. Ah. And as they said, we have news for you. They said, mm, I can see that MI is trying not to look worried. I can see that CM is thinking, how can they be pregnant? It's not that they are pregnant now. Because of course, these are like my colleagues. We have, we have done being, people have done being pregnant. And this particular person, I know that I cannot get pregnant because they have removed the ability to get pregnant. So remember, I was thinking, what was happening? Now, when they said what was happening, what has happened in the last one year, it's the kind of bad news you never want to hear. Are we together? But I looked at them. We just finished laughing on. And then when we finished, we started laughing again. There is a comfort that is beyond reason when you have heard from God. It doesn't matter what is happening. Are we together? All your resources may be on fire. People will be looking at you and wondering, why are you not jumping inside? You will be assured because you have heard from God. Because that's the beginning of, of abundance. The very first place where abundance started was with God's word. By his word, he began to create. He spoke the word and it was made. And then once he made Adam, once Adam was made, we became co-creators with him. God said to Abraham, I'm putting you in charge of this place. Whatever you need, settle this place, have dominion. Be fruitful, be multiply, reach the whole world and have dominion. Ladies and gentlemen, before Adam, it was his word. As soon as Adam came on the scene, God began to use human beings as his partners in creation, manifesting his own attributes, stewarding his own creation, doing like God in the earth. Ladies and gentlemen, did Adam have scarcity of anything? Hello? Did Adam have scarcity of anything? When Adam fell, did he stop having abundance of anything? The earth was totally his roaming around place. 
even if that God chased away, Cain, that was chased away, it was, if you look at the life of Cain, many people, the highest people in the world today, they want to be like Cain. <laughs> Somebody always jokes <laughs> that one of the sons of Cain was Enoch. And one of the things that Enoch, the son of Cain, did was that he built a camp. He built a very big camp. Go and read the story of Cain. <laughs> that if you look at Cain and the people that came from Cain, you wonder, how did God punish this one? Is this punishment? They chased him away to go and start a new camp. Do you understand? As in, they put on, uh, the, on different camps on the road to Lagos in my expressway. I didn't have any punishment. If you enter redemption camp, it's a city. Are we together? It's a full city with bank, with shop mall, with with houses, with residents, with a power holding company. As it is a full community. Are they having punishment? That the, whatever they did did not affect. God's supply. It does not affect. So, when you're having this, ah, the reason why I'm suffering is because I did something wrong. And God is trying to punish me. No, God is not trying to punish you. You are trying to punish yourself. God's punishment is not a withdrawal of resources. I want to get that. You are not going to punish your children that way. I will say, ah, because you have done badly. I will not pay your school fees. You are joking. I want to get that. You and I must understand. How has God done it in time past? He is the same God. He is able to do it again. We're going to stop with those two today. One, God created his creation work by his words. So if there's anything, if there's anything I want you to do this, this morning, ask God to speak to you. Listen, gentlemen, if God, if God hasn't spoken to you, you can be wondering. You can be sorrowful. You can be depressed. But if God speaks to you and tells you, this is my plan. This is what I want to do. I want to use you as a showcase. I want to use you as a as somebody that people will see and on your behalf, they will share testimonies. Let God speak to you. That word creates. The Bible says God upholds all things by the word of his power and by the power of his word. And then the moment God has created you, the moment God's word has created you, the moment God has breathed his life into you, you and I are able to also walk with God and manifest his attributes. It means when I hear God's word, I can also begin to declare it. And as I begin to declare those words, I begin to declare them in creation of the things that God wants to do. Remember, the reason why God supplies us with abundance is because he has a good work to do. Amen. Tell your neighbor you are made for good works. I hope you read that in your Bible before. Ephesians 2, verse 8 to 10. He said, God created us for good work. Good work we had better be doing. God designed you. Surely, you are not the same as Mabel. You are not the same as Rebi. Because God designed you for unique good work. There's an overall general essence of what God wants us to do. God wants us to disciple nations. That's what he wants us to do. God wants us to make disciples of every nation. That's what he wants us to do on the last scale. But there are unique ways in which you will do it that you will not be able to do it. And it's born out of our shape. I, th- I keep talking about this shape. Our shape, S-H-A-P-E. Our shape, our skills, our spiritual gifts, s our age, our heart, our passions. Our A, our abilities. What we normally know how to do. P, our personality. My bubbly self or my reserved self or my calculated self. My personality. And E, my experiences. Nothing is a waste. 
You have done something before for a while. It didn't look like it was a big thing. God was planning you, shaping you, positioning you for something. God uses your unique endowments for a good work. And until you are able to align it, abundance is open at the back of that good work. Amen. And ladies and gentlemen, our mindset limits us. I pray that God will cure your mindset and open you up to realize that the reason why you are staying small is not because of him. Amen. You know what I would really delight in? I would delight in, I sit down here, I look at people, and I see the significant jumps we have made because we decided to align with God. I was sharing with some people yesterday. I said, I've seen somebody go from, I don't have, I need help. And in a period of less than three years, I've seen the person sponsor a project where they are dashing away money for 600 million. Three years. And why are you doing this? I just like it. Is it going to really affect your business much? I don't really know. But I'm willing to do this. The limitations we have in our minds and you feel, ah, no, ah, if I can just get one million now, it's okay, that's all I need. Yeah, the one that is small. It's your mind. It's a good work that you don't that you want to do that is not clear to you. Is that good work because it's clear to you? You realize there is no limit, ladies and gentlemen. No limit to what God can do. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed. If you'd like to connect with us further, if you need discipleship, need counsel, guidance, or prayers, please connect with our website, www.hccc.org.ng. We'll be happy to help you in every way we can. And if you're already a Christian and a child of God and you would like to join us in the work of reaching to the communities and making a difference in people's lives, there's an amazing project we're doing we would like to invite you to be a part of. If you go to www.marketwomeninitiative.org, you can get to find out amazing opportunities to partner with us in reaching our community. God bless you.